It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm joined now by Dr. Nicole Sapphire, my colleague over at Fox News, and more importantly, as a doctor, radiologist, director of breast imaging at Memorial Sloan Kettering in uh, New Jersey, in Monmouth, New Jersey. Topic today, uh, Nicole, thanks for joining me at such a quick notice. Uh, But the FDA and the CDC pushing ahead with COVID-19 boosters for kids without proper data and an alert put out by the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance about the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices meeting today and tomorrow that will vote on adding COVID-19 shots to the schedule of childhood vaccines required of students in order to, to attend school. Now, that is deeply concerning because that's a bureaucracy. And I looked at the list of people. There are doctors certainly on this advisory committee. But this is a bureaucratic vote that gets in between uh, you and your doctor, whether you're the child, the parent, or otherwise. So what's going on here? Well, good morning, David. Thanks for having me. Well, you are right. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices of the CDC, their expert, quote-unquote, expert panel review, are meeting right now. The meeting started about 30 minutes ago. And today and tomorrow, they're going to talk about a host of different topics. Um, they have about a half a day today planned on discussing the COVID vaccines and boosters and kids. And tomorrow, they're going to be voting on updated immunization schedules. Now, is there on the agenda, does it say that they're specifically voting on, on whether or not to include the COVID vaccine or booster into the updated schedule? No, they're not. But, you know, it wouldn't. It's not so hard to connect those dots that they're going to talk a lot about the COVID vaccine and boosters, and then they're going to be voting on updated immunization schedules. And, you know, what happens was is when these vaccines get incorporated into that um, recommended immunization schedule, that is what state schools look at for their required vaccines. So it is quite possible if they were to vote and include the COVID vaccine into the updated schedule then some states may require that as well when it comes to children attending public schools. So So my my concern here, Nicole, if I may, you've got influence and you've got regulation, right? And this sounds more like an attempt to influence. And it's influential when the CDC casts a vote and in certain states, uh, depending on their relationship and let's face it, the political nature of that leadership Uh, you may well see this being forced on children. Is there any consideration, anything by this board uh, that you see will be discussed about the choice? I mean, what if you have children who may have a certain medical history in their family that uh, may prevent them from having to comply with this, for example? Well, David, we already saw school districts across the nation requiring these vaccines, even without it being on the immunization schedule. Um, you saw it in, in many dif- districts throughout California, even Washington, D.C., just as early as late as this past school year. They were requiring vaccine, uh, COVID vaccines for people to attend school without a remote option. Well, less than half of the black kids had gotten the vaccine. So what you're going to do, you're going to leave this entire group of children out of education. So they've had to extend that. Here's the issue I have, David. The entire time, especially now with Omicron going around, 
they have not taken into account the data when it comes to kids and these vaccines. First of all, they've just now updated and expanded the recommendation that kids as young as five should get the new bivalent Omicron booster. Well, that's they have not released any data demonstrating not only is that booster of benefit to these children, that it actually does something to protect them, um, they also haven't released any safety data on this. So how can they even consider recommending something without any data? Well, the question is, I don't know. And the fact that they did is, is astounding. And I can't wrap my head around it. And unfortunately, what the CDC and the FDA are doing right now is it, as it pertains to kids and the vaccines and the boosters, they are single-handedly promoting the anti-vax movement because they are essentially lumping the COVID vaccine and boosters with other with other vaccines like measles, mumps, polio, and others. We have historic data showing that we have been able to eradicate or nearly eradicate some of these most lethal viruses through vaccination. COVID is not the same, yet they're lumping it the same, and that is now causing a much larger anti-vax movement than we've ever had before. So this meeting, again, as you said, happens today. Uh, it, it's open to the public. It'll be live streamed, by the way. I'm on the stream right now, and nothing's coming through. So sounds like they haven't started on time. Uh, it's uh, 9.14 a.m. Uh, something else that has been done by the Virginia Medical uh, Freedom Alliance is, you know, the action point. Uh, phone calls to the uh, ACIP committee members. Their phone numbers are listed here. Uh, for all the members, their emails are listed. And, you know, these are, again, doctor in front of their title, but this is a bureaucratic committee. And uh, the concern is fair when people say, well, what if it leans one way or the other? Again, without evidence, without, actually, in this case, is there even peer review, which is a fraud for the most part, but is there anything that says that this is something they should vote to impose? David, not only has this data not been peer-reviewed, they just haven't even made it public. You have Ajit Shah, who is the coronavirus advisor for the White House. He has said, oh, I've seen the data on the updated booster in kids, and it looks good. Okay, no one else has. They have not made this data public. And in fact, the FDA and CDC recommended the updated booster in adults in August without any human data available. They only referenced a small mouse study that showed elevation of antibodies. It is difficult to wrap my head around how they continue to push forward with these recommendations. We are out of the state of emergency. Everything going forward should 100% be risk-based. Yes, you have people who will benefit from the vaccines, from the updated boosters, but it is certainly not one size fits all, especially as we have evolved into Omicron, where the vaccines do not decrease transmission. And especially for your low risk populations like children, healthy children, there is no proof that there is even even a benefit to them being vaccinated at this point. And nor have they studied what does it look like? What happens in kids? If you continue to boost them, they haven't looked at what are the side effects of repeated boosters? What are the side effects of kids who have had COVID and now we're saying to get vaccinated, get boosted? Are they going to have a really strong immune response that may make them even more sick than if they had just gotten Omicron and gotten over it? They don't know. And you cannot, you cannot say to kids who have low risk for this virus that they should then go and get a vaccine or booster without providing ample 
safety safety data, but yet they that's what they're doing. All right, so let's keep going down this path. Actually, let me back up for a moment and ask you this question. Your point about uh, the White House advisor saying he's seen the data, but we haven't. And our, last time I checked, our government's supposed to work for us, especially in something that is a public health policy issue as well as a medical issue. What should they have had in place? A lot of people don't understand what if you're to get to that point of saying this is mandated or this is you know recommended, whatever the term they want to use. Uh, what should happen from a medical or research perspective before they get to that point? Well, in, in normal circumstances, you would like to see somewhat of long-term data. And long-term data can be, you know, one year, it could be 10 years. The initial COVID vaccines were approved with two to four weeks of data, which, to be honest, the overwhelming majority of reactions to vaccine happen within 24 to 72 hours or zero to 72 hours after the vaccine. So two to four weeks of safety data is, you know, it's pretty good. But you can understand through Operation Warp Speed uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic why there was an urgency, why it made sense to have that emergency use authorization and kind of get it out there and do everything we can to protect the vulnerable. Well, unfortunately, they just went a little too far. Uh, way too far, in my opinion, with that. And they went way too far when they started recommending healthy um, young adults and kids get the vaccines who had no other risk factors, especially as the virus continued to weaken, especially when a lot of kids already had COVID and had natural immunity. Now, as we're moving forward with these boosters, kind of like we see a flu shot every single year, you know, we don't have long-term data on each individual flu shot that we get each year because it's created that year. But we are able to look at the trends and everything that's happened in the preceding years and just up, just tweak it a little bit. And they're going to be able to do that with the COVID booster. And I, I think that's fine. I think that is fine as long as it is tailored to the high-risk individuals because we still don't have the long-term data on any of this. We're still under the emergency use authorization. They have not scaled back in their recommendations, and that's the biggest mistake of the CDC and the FDA right now. These updated boosters should continue to target the highest risk people, you know, those over the age of 55, those with medical comorbidity that puts them at um, substantially increased risk, but they need to stop with their universal recommendations. They cannot keep recommending these vaccines and boosters in otherwise low-risk people when it's still based on emergency use authorization. They have to go through the, the hoops. They have to make sure that the, the efficacy and safety data is there. Now, I didn't put the years in. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV or radio, but I can read. And I have a question for the doctor here who has put in the years, who does understand this. Young people in our younger years, and the thymus gland. This is critical to an adaptive immune system. And you know, we're constantly coming at children with various shots. I did too as a kid, you know, all these things going on. Now we've introduced something else. Is there something or is there any consideration or needed consideration in letting your immune system develop? The, the children have been proven to be the least affected. And by least, I mean minutely, infinitesimally small uh, affected by coronavirus. And 
you know, if we keep doing this to our children and not letting the bodies develop naturally, I mean, is there a danger there or to what extent? Sure. I mean, of course there is. And there's, you know, there's actually been a lot of studies talking about, you know, what does, what does, you know, what happens if kids are not exposed to everyday pathogens? And I'm talking about, there's even studies that show kids that share a bathroom with their siblings, you know, they have um, less tendencies to have asthma and allergies and, you know, uh, repeated colds throughout their life. And they think that's because, it, uh, I don't know, kids are kind of gross. And when they're together in a bathroom, they expose to each other's germs. And, you know, especially they've talked about, you know, what about, you know, repeated flu shots and other things in kids? Well, here's the thing. It's very important for kids to be able to stimulate their immune system, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, that's why, you know, my kids, if a pacifier fell on the ground, I'm like, oh, nothing, a little water, can rinse off. Back in your mouth. You're fine. Um, but, <laughs> Three-second rule you know, for the what, record. Exactly. But, you know, the flu for kids can be quite deadly. And so, you know, the question is, do you repeatedly give them a flu shot every year to decrease their risk of flu? Well, you know. I would say you can, you certainly, for a lot of kids, you certainly should because flu can wind up a lot of kids in the hospital. But what does that, by not exposing them to flu, you know, does that do anything? Well, you know, when people have that concern, it's like, well, here's the thing. The flu shot actually, you know, similar to the COVID at this point, only has about a 40 to 50% efficacy in preventing you from getting the flu. But what it does do is it kind of primes your immune system. So when, if, if the child is exposed to the flu, it kind of already is able to start fighting it off. And so it makes it less severe. And I think that's a good thing. So you're not keeping your child in seclusion where he's, they're not being exposed to the flu at all. You're just trying to give them the best shot possible of not winding up in the hospital. And I think that's a good thing. And the same goes for COVID right now. Listen, no one wants to go out and get COVID. Um, but if your child's already had COVID, good news, their, their immune system's primed. And so the next time that they're exposed to COVID, because they will be, you know, you're, it, it has a, a memory response and it's able to fight it. Kids have what you, you mentioned, the thymus. The thymus is an organ kind of in the neck of the mediastinum uh, that it regresses by the time you're an adult, it goes away. But that really does help prime the immune system in kids. And you want to make sure it gets stimulated. But, you know, unless you're keeping your child in a bubble, it's going to get stimulated. But guess what we did for about two years during this pandemic? We kept, kept kids in, in a bubble. And we kept kids away from other adults. We kept kids away from other kids. And children were not exposed to nearly as many pathogens. And I think that there will be some long-term effects of that. I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, I'm seeing so many stomach bugs and other viral infections right now. It's like, yeah, well, your child's immune system has just been shut down for two years. You got to get them back out there and let them be exposed to some of this stuff. My guest, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, radiologist, director of breast imaging at Memorial Sloan Kettering, uh, Monmouth, New Jersey. And certainly, you know, the parents have a role to play here in the, in the sense, Nicole, of family history. This hearing's going on, this vote's coming out. Uh, again, the uh, group that has put out the information has put out also ways to contact phone numbers and emails to contact the advisory board. Uh, this is put out by the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. Uh, but uh, parents you know, need to know their history and their family because their children are the next step. And, and how big a factor is that if parents just blindly or, you know, not deliberately, but in an ignorant of the facts manner, let their children 
you know, just be jabbed here and there in every which way? You know, I'm going to say something that's going to be very unpopular, but the doctors on these committees, they don't care about what the parents are saying and calling. They don't care how many letters they get written or calls because all they care about is what their professional uh, organizations are saying, what the academic institutions are saying, because they uh, they will be, quote unquote, canceled real quick if they speak out against the vaccines, because even if there's no data there to support it, even if they don't believe that it's necessary in a certain age group, if they don't walk the line of vaccines and boosters for all, then they are they are immediately dubbed anti-vaxxers and pushing forth conspiracy theories. And a lot of them work at academic institutions like myself. And people get afraid of, you know, being under scrutiny from their organization. And I know that some people have even been fired over it. So um, it's, it's, a real, it's a real problem what we have going on right now. The fact that you had the American Academy of Pediatrics removed from their website um, the words that children need to see people's faces for their development. They're like, no, they don't. That's not true. <laughs> okay. Well, two years later, finally, we have some data showing, oh, by the way, the babies aren't doing okay because they weren't around other people and they couldn't see their faces. And the American Academy of Pediatrics are just silent on that. But important, politics have just inserted themselves in a very pervasive way. You know, I wrote Panic Attack midway through the pandemic and everything in that has just continued to blossom and proven true. And it is, it's going to take decades to recover some monicum of public health trust. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm looking at this list of the doctors, their phone numbers, their emails, and you know, you, you've known me a long time. I'm not a fan of as they, it's not really doxing. The information is public. It's out there, but yeah, people, like you said, they, they are at these institutions. I'm looking at their emails, University of Maryland, Brown University, uh, Stanford, you know, Minnesota State. Uh, you know, you're talking about connections to, to labs, to organizations or universities that, you know, work with government agencies at times with our health, call it our health uh, agencies. So I, I see what you're saying. And, you know, they, Again, this meeting's on. Well, they're late. I can say that because they're supposed to start at eight thirty. Uh, it looks like they finally did the streams going. But you know, well, David, can you understand why people are? Scrut- they've been under the most fierce scrutiny the last twenty four hours because word got out that they're potentially having this vote, myself included. I started tweeting about it, and so they were playing. They were playing aggressive cleanup last night. I know because I was contacted by some people about trying to clarify and trying to tamper down some of the negative press. Well, this is why we have you here. What what else do people need to know? And, you know, I'm going to put out the link uh, to the page that's been put up by the Virginia uh, Alliance for Medical Freedom and make sure that goes out. People can choose to call uh, and do whatever uh, they need to do from there. But this is a case where they need to be they need to hear from people, and this is a problem. Well, 100%, of course. And I can tell you that I want to make sure that people, whether the CDC does, Americans should know better than to lump the COVID vaccine in with measles, mumps, rubella, and polio, and other known life-saving vaccines. They are not the same. 
If you are someone who gets a flu shot every year, if you get the pneumovax every year because you're higher risk, you need to start looking at the fall and winter season as not just, you know, flu and pneumonia cold season, but it's flu, cold, and COVID season. So there are many people who are going to benefit from these updated boosters, and there are many people that don't need them. And I think that you have to move forward with risk assessment. And if you are in a state or in a district that are mandating some of these vaccines without proper data, then you need to you need to appeal to your legislators. We have the midterms coming up. While the CDC votes on this, it is up to state legislatures what gets mandated in their school districts. And so the only way to do this is by voting. Well, the, I'll put the information out there. It's going up on uh, my social media, my Twitter, or David Webb Show, Truth and Cloud Hub, and others. And you know, for everyone listening, the, there's phone numbers there. The emails are there. Uh, they're trying to tamp down on the negative attention, but I don't know if it's negative as much as it's transparency, uh, because this is something most Americans wouldn't even know about. Well, and that's why, um, you know, it's important to stay informed. But I also try to tell people, you know, for your mental health, uh, social media is probably not the place to stay informed. Um, So, you know, it's you have to kind of, I would say, to watch multiple media outlets, kind of, you know, one saying one, the other saying the other. You know, the truth is somewhere. You got to just find it for yourself. It's right here. You are the best advocate for yourself and your children. The truth is right here. That's why my motto is truth is the authority. Nicole, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy, busy doctor, uh, married to a brain surgeon, but I think you're the, you're my brains when it comes to that. Ah, thanks, David. And yes, I appreciate that we are able to speak the truth without being censored. Thank you. And Dr. Nicole Sapphire, radiologist, director of breast imaging at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and also someone I really trust to be measured and even on these issues. Join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.